The following is paid programming brought to you by WT Wealth Management. Nothing we discuss should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational purposes only. Please do your own research and speak to an investment advisor or financial planner before making any investment decisions. Welcome to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. I'm your host, Jeff Orvitz. This is a multi-part series on Glenn's Secrets to Financial Success. Glenn and I will get into budgets and, and why they're critical to your financial success. Good debt, bad debt, also enjoying today or enjoying tomorrow or maybe somewhere in between. Glenn Least is a senior investment advisor with WT Wealth Management. You can call him anytime and learn more by going to WTWealthManagement.com. Or, like I said, give a call, 928-225-2474. That's 928-225-2474. Glenn, welcome. How are you doing today? Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Remind everybody about the podcast. I always like to start off with that because it's growing. I had somebody come up to me the other day and said, I binge, not watched, but binge listened oh, nice. to all of Glenn's uh, Intelligent <laughs> Investing. Yeah, yeah, Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least, uh, Apple uh, or iTunes, uh, Spotify, anywhere you get your, your podcast, you can find me. And then you can also find me on Facebook. I started producing more content there, uh, video content, so like video series. So uh, same thing, just Glenn Least. You'll right. find me. Great. All right. Well, let's. Uh, this is a multi-part series on your secrets uh, to financial success, your secret sauce, I guess we yeah, should say. Yeah. Um, let's get into the big B word. <laughs> How important is it in having a budget? Y- yeah. So I-, I would be very surprised if someone's able to reach financial success without having a budget, right? The We have a calendar, right? Why do we have a calendar? Because it tells us how we're going to manage our time. A budget tells our dollars how we're going to manage our dollars. So uh, having a budget is extremely crucial because then you can really, what are your priorities? Where do you want to spend money and how do you allocate dollars accordingly? If you're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants, you may or may not make it uh, to your final financial destination of where you're looking to go. But if you have a budget, your chances of actually that happening are, are a lot higher. And it forces you to uh, really prioritize and stay within the balance of what you're willing to spend. So if you have a budget and you only want to spend, say, $300 a month on a certain category, you, you, it's going to be a lot harder for you to spend 600 or 700 in that same category because you've only budgeted 300 And then you're having to re-examine your budget and you've got that internal like, hey, I've overspent in this area. So it's, it's just a great checks and balances to help us make sure we're, we're hitting our goals. And it's a lot of time with budgets. Uh, it doesn't have to be like a, um, a dreadful thing. It just says, hey, this is so we can reach our goals, right? That's how I look at a budget is I'm being intentional. So that way I can intentionally reach my financial goals. Do people... When they do this, have trouble following it. Do you ever get feedback from your clients? Uh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and how do you keep them on track? Um, I mean, I myself have a budget, but sometimes I veer from the budget. It happens, right? Um, I, I think with a budget, you want to create wiggle room in there, so that way, if you have, I have a miscellaneous category each month, so that way, if something comes up and I want to buy something. I have at least a little wiggle room to do that. Um, if your budget's so tight where it allows you no fun, no no opportunity to do something different or opportunity to enjoy life, your your budget's going to seem really restrictive. So do, do people have a trouble sticking to a budget? Yeah, I'd be surprised if they didn't, but that's the the beauty of it is it helps us continue to get better at our, uh, our finances and, and, t- and very intentional too. Something that is probably in that budget for a lot of people would be debt and, yeah. and paying debt. I guess, first of all, you're kind of view and how people should view uh, debt. 
Sure. So there's a lot of different philosophies. There's a Susie Orman philosophy. There's the Dave Ramsey and then there's the Robert Kiyosaki and they all have three very different views on debts. Um, Dave Ramsey is, you know, kind of no debt under any circumstance, pay it all off always. Susie Orman, similar. And Kawasaki, Robert Kawasaki is more of what type of debt are you using? If you, if you're borrowing money to pay for a home, which is appreciating asset and your interest rate is very, affordable and reasonable. Does it make sense to borrow 3% to buy a house? that's going to appreciate at five, six, 7%. His opinion is yes. So I kind of take that same notion of there's good debt and bad debt. And so good debt would be borrowing money for an appreciating asset and your interest rates very reasonable. Bad debt is I'm going to spend 29% on going to Taco Bell on a credit card. That's not very good debt because there's no appreciating asset that that food that you ordered is not going to appreciate over time. So I think really we need to look at good debt, good debt and bad debt and, and have with that lens of not all debt is created equal. When you're thinking of things like sometimes people take equity out of a home, for example, <laughs> and they'll do an investment with that. Maybe they'll buy yeah. another piece okay. of real yeah. estate or something, but then some people will buy a, a boat. boat. Yeah. So well, that's, that's is that a good example? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So say, say you borrow against your home and you take some home equity out to go buy the piece of property that just came up for sale right next to you and you're just scraping together pennies to get it because it's a smoking deal, uh, which is funny because that's actually the situation I was in is uh, the lot next to me came up for sale and I was just scraping together cash to be able to buy because it was a great opportunity. Now, if I took out a home equity line of credit to go buy a boat or to go to Vegas for the weekend and spend all of it, um, maybe not as wise of an idea. So um, that's where I kind of look at good debt and bad debt is what's the intention, how are you using it, and what is the ret- possible return on this money that you're you know borrowing for? If there's no possible return, we have to be very careful about how we use debt because we know it's almost a, a losing scenario. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, except for that debt. That comes home <laughs> with you. Except for the debt, yeah. And I, I I used to always hear um, stuff when I was growing up, like, oh, let's invest in a new uh, mop or a vacuum cleaner in the yeah. house. And I always thought that was funny because I was like, we're not running a cleaning business. Yeah. You know, who, the only, this this uh, product is not going to have an appreciation. It's not going to generate any revenue for us. So maybe we should just say we're just going to buy this thing, not we're going to invest in because there's there's no potential return there. Yeah. Whereas if you were buying a slew of vacuums and hiring people yeah, and going story, out yeah. and starting yeah. a cleaning company, totally. Yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. so when you look at debt, you got to understand how it's being used, why it's being used and what it's being used on. Okay. Speaking of the, let's talk about bad debts, which bad debts should you pay off first? Uh, the ones, with the highest interest rates. Okay. Uh, usually that's the case. Um, so any kind of credit cards, you usually want to try and pay those off first. Um, if you have, um, high interest auto loans, pay those off any kind of, uh, pay the advanced stuff, pay those off. Um, medical debt, I usually have that lower on the list because a lot of times the medical debt is not, uh, it's unsecured debt. And a lot of times they don't charge massively high interest rates. So one time, the one thing I've actually seen happen, which always kind of, uh, bewilders me is when I see people use a credit card to pay off medical debt. So they basically, the medical debt, a lot of times doesn't even have an interest rate and you can pay $5 a month or $10 a month. As long as you're paying something on a monthly payment plan, they'll just allow you to pay it for the next 20, 30 years. So um, and there's no, a lot of times no interest. So if you're borrowing at 29% to pay off a medical debt, just have it done. You're like, okay, yeah, but you just have to pay off the credit card. So I think we need to take that approach of, okay, what is the 
the debt that's doing the most damage and, and pay that off first. And so okay. what's the highest interest rate? So that's where I look at bad debt is, is paying that off first. And, and then, you know, there's different philosophies. Do you pay off the one with the largest balance or do you pay off the one that you can easily pay off and get some momentum and, and get like a victory under your belt, if you will. So I kind of like that idea The they call it like debt snowballing, if you will. Well, where you can pay off, like you owe 500 bucks, but it's at a lower interest rate yeah. maybe versus yeah. something else. It's a kind of an easier target to pick yeah, off. Yeah, psychologically, yeah. Okay. You're like, hey, I made some progress, paid this one off. Now I can really make some progress in the next one. Because, yeah, if you've got two credit cards and one has 20000 one has $500,000, um, you know, the common sense is say pay off the $20,000 one. But actually, I kind of like the idea of paying off the smaller one first because then it gives you like a psychological boost. Like, hey, I'm making okay. progress. Well, I, and I don't want to, this could probably be a future episode or a series of episodes, Glenn, with debt. Uh, if yeah. somebody's sitting on student loan debt, <laughs> where do they put that on the pile? You know, with the news on debt Yeah, we should debt do a whole segment on, yeah. on student loan debt because yeah. I've seen a lot of people have student loans and they've made all the minimum payments that they're supposed to make and their debt hasn't moved in 10 years. And yeah. so if you've got student loan debt, making the minimum payments a lot of times will not make the progress that you think it will make. So you really have to be super aggressive making double and triple the minimum payments to at least knock down some of that student loan debt because the interest rates. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And if you want to learn more, Glenn would love to talk with you and uh, you can give him a call anytime, 928-225-2474. That's 928-225-2474. You can also go to wtwealthmanagement.com. All right. When we come back, let's get a little more into savings and then let's also talk about enjoying life and you know do you do things now or do you wait for everything in the future so st- stick around be back in just a minute You are listening to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least, and you can contact Glenn anytime. Uh, free, no obligation consultation, 928-225-2474. That's 928-225-2474. You can also go to wtwealthmanagement.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, all your favorite podcast providers. Look up Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. Uh, we're talking about secrets to financial success, multi-part series here. And we've been talking about uh, debt and a budget and, of course, savings. Uh, and I guess where where should you start? I, I guess we should start at, at the beginning when it comes to savings. Yeah. Let's for, say you have no savings. Nothing. Yeah. First is to start saving, okay. right? Uh, plant get, the get, tree. Get, yeah, plant the tree. Um, usually when you first start saving the number one thing you should start saving for is just a little bit of a nest egg, right? An emergency fund. There are a surprising amount of people in America that don't even have an emergency fund. I think it's some statistic where it's like a $400 unexpected expense will really cause financial strain for some, like like half of the people or something, which is really quite um, alarming if you think about it. So when we talk about saving first, build up a, an emergency fund, maybe it's a thousand bucks, maybe it's two or three or 5,000, whatever it may be to give you a little bit of a cushion. That's the first thing you should do. Uh, so that way you're not having to keep going back into debt. Um, that's 
that's where I think a lot of people get stuck in that cycle is they never have an emergency fund and they use the credit cards as an emergency fund, which is a very expensive emergency fund. I mean, it's able to be done, but at 29%, it really is hard to dig yeah. yourself out of that hole. Um, so that's where I'd say you'd start first is, is build up the emergency fund. And then after that, you know, we can look at how do we, um, you know, aside from the emergency fund, build up maybe like a mid range, an account um, where we can put money in. It can maybe get a little bit better return for us, but it's not locked up for a long period of time. That'd probably be the second um, area when it comes to savings. And, and frankly, we should be a little bit, we should be more excited about savings because savings provides us with opportunities. And a good example is um, <clears throat> that house that came behind uh, me for sale. It, you know, if I had saved a little bit more aggressively, I would have been able to pay mostly cash for it. I, mean, I, I did pay a good amount of cash for it, but if I had been a little bit more aggressive savings, uh, that would have been a completely paid for house. And so there's a lot of opportunities that'll come up and we just don't know what those are, but we should be prepared for them. Um, being prepared is always a good thing. Um, even just like I was thinking about the other day, I put together a little jump bag in my car. It's got like all things I may need. If I get stuck, it's got like a I did the same thing, you know, got a little bit of food, got some water in there, a blanket, you know, yeah. it's got uh rope. Uh, it's got everything you may need in case you get stuck. So being prepared for the unexpected. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, my coworker was hearing the same thing. Like, wow, you're putting together a little jump bag. That's that's a really good idea. And I was like, yeah, and I also got some first aid stuff in there. So I think just being prepared for the unexpected is just a great idea in today's world, because especially it's, with money too. It's going to happen whether you might get <laughs> yeah. stuck in the snow sometime, but yeah. also uh, just having a little bit saved, your car is going to break down. Yeah. yeah your exactly. water heater is going to go. Something is going to go more, wrong. More so now than, <laughs> than it used to be. Everything yeah. seems like it breaks down more quickly. It's just uh, less quality of stuff. So yeah, having an emergency fund, having that cushion is such a great idea and it provides you investment opportunities too. If you've got a good amount of money saved and you just see a smoking deal on some sort of investment, uh, whatever it may be, um, you've got the cash, you can make it happen. Um, so I think just in saving is something we as Americans are terrible at doing and we should get better at doing. How, how do you start though? Because wh what amount do you start? If you have zero and you're like, well, I can barely pay my bills right now, Glenn, and you're yeah. asking me to put yeah. a little money aside. But for, I first started with like a little coffee can years ago and just put 20 bucks in there here and there whenever I could. And before I knew it, I had a thousand bucks. I'm like, okay, so now I can take this put it in the bank. Um, so I think it's just the little baby things, you know, start with baby steps, if you will, of saving. And then it really starts to compound and grow. And then as you get into the habit of it, you're like, wow, that was surprisingly easier than I thought to scrape together a thousand bucks. I can do this. So you get that, that mental victory of like, Hey, this is possible. And then you just kind of built on it from there. Okay. I think the challenge people have those, they want to enjoy today. So I want to go out to dinner. I yeah. want to go to a movie. I want to go on a vacation whatever the case may be. Um, but you and I have talked about this over the, a long time, Glenn, uh, you also want to live for today to a degree, but you don't want to, you know, uh, yeah. hurt burden your, your future. So <laughs> how do we focus? Do we focus on enjoying t today or postpone enjoyment for the future? Is there some point you're at yeah. in between all that? It, it feels like a lot in our society We're we're doing the live for today. And, you know, regardless of the consequences down the road, we're doing a lot of that right now. Um, but, but my thought on that is. Do we really need the latest phone all the time? I mean, how much extra enjoyment is that new phone going to give us when the old phone, which isn't even that old, still does everything you need it to do? Yeah, maybe it's not the newest, whatever, but it still works. So I think part of that comes down to contentment. You know, are we content with what we have? And, and, and part of that 
frankly, is we just need different perspectives from time to time. Um, we in America live extremely well. And, and even the people that are at the quote unquote poverty level still live extremely well in comparison to the rest of the world. So uh, we all have the internet. We can all go into YouTube, go check out how some of these people live in other countries and, you know, go look at Venezuela, go look at Russia, go look at Ukraine, go look at places in, in China, um, or, or, or Asia. And you'll realize, you know, we've got it pretty good. Uh, we got a lot of freedoms. We got food on the table. Um, and so what is that one proverb? If, uh, if there's food in my stomach and clothes on my back, I'm happy with that. Right. Yeah. And so I think that part of that, when, when we talk about enjoyment of today versus saving tomorrow, we should just take the perspective. Like I have enough. I'm really, I really am good. And that new sparkly, shiny thing is probably not going to make me as happy as I think it is. It'll probably wear off in, in uh, a couple of weeks and I'll be looking for the next big thing. But is being financially uh, independent and financially secure. What, what, what kind of uh, contentment will that bring to just not be worried? Think about how that would radically change your life if uh, you woke up tomorrow and, and your work, your job that you have became optional. You can do it because you like it, but not because you absolutely have to. You could have the flexibility to do something different. And I think that would really empower a lot of people. This is, and if I can sum this up, because this is your 39th intelligent investing. So I've heard you say this on many uh, past episodes, Uh, you want to sacrifice now to, to, to save up for later and to have Mm -hmm. that nest egg, I guess, and that, that um, like emergency fund and all that. But then as you get down more, sometimes people do get caught in where they're throwing everything in there and then they're not enjoying their life at all. When they get to that position where they have stuff saved up. Yeah. And I'd say it's more often the first ladder. Uh, the first uh, option that people struggle with is not saving enough. Um, I would say out of 10 people that I talk to, maybe eight of them struggle with not saving enough and maybe one or two struggle on the opposite side of having too much saved and not being able to spend and enjoy it. And so um, I would say I would lean towards, hey, if you save and invest, you're probably not going to be disappointed that you say you're not going to say, hey, I saved and invested too much money for myself and my future. That's usually a conversation we don't have. So um, yes, occasionally we do have people that are so um, tied up and saving that they can't enjoy any of it. But that's usually the exception, not the rule. Well, final question here and a two part question here for you, Glenn. Um, I guess when should you start investing and then. Why is it vital to be a good saver before becoming a good investor? Break all that down. Yeah. So if we're not good savers, it's going to be hard to become a good investor, right? Because we're going to, we're not going to have a whole lot of money to, to invest because we're not very good at saving. So once you get in the habit of being consistently good saver, uh, investing is just the next logical step, right? You're like, okay, I'm saving. Uh, and this money is being put away. What do I do with it? How can I make it work for me? Um, but if you're never able to first save money, investing is just going to always be this uh, pie in the sky type hope. Like, like I'd like to do it one day, but I just don't have any cash. So we got to really just get in the, the habit of saving first. And then once we start doing that, then investing is just you know the next logical step, if you will. Um, and then the other part of the question is when should we start uh, investing? Um, once you get in the habit of saving, you know, and you've got that emergency fund built up and it's at least a, a little decent of a cushion, that's when we should get ready to start investing. A lot of times when I meet with people, one of the first questions I ask them is how much is in the emergency fund? And if it's very little and I know they're going to burn through it, it's almost like, why are we even investing? Because you're going to be calling me in a month or two wanting to raid your IRA because you don't have enough money to make rent. In fact, we had that earlier in this week where it's like, 
the same type of behaviors I see in, in certain individuals where they're calling every other week to take money out of their 401k. And I'm thinking that's a very expensive yeah. uh, emergency fund to take out of every, every pay, every, you know, every couple of paychecks when you need money. Um, cause taking money out of a long-term account is usually like a 20 to 25% hit. So, um, which is why it's important to be a good saver. Cause then if you're a good saver, you don't have to take money out of your long-term investments and you can really let them grow and, uh, and multiply. Okay. And I think next week we're going to get more into the, f- uh, physical health, uh, skills and abilities, yeah, different um, types of investing, different yeah. types of investing, because yeah. it's not always just about the dollar and the, exactly. the bottom line. Yeah, and then yeah. it all ties in. So it does, it does. I'm looking forward to that. Great. Uh, and if you've got a question for Glenn, he'll talk with you. Just give him a call. Uh, 928-225-2474. That's 928-225-2474. Uh, you can also go to wtwealthmanagement.com and we want everyone to go uh, subscribe to the podcast as well. Intelligent, yeah, intelligent investing. investing. You can even email us at intelligent investing at WT Wealth Management. Okay, great. And we'll be back here next week, another edition of Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. Hope you all have a great day. Take care.